Well, good morning. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, again. Uh, it's just wonderful to be able to uh, worship you with this, uh, worship with you this morning, and uh, and to be with a congregation that I, I was sort of raised in uh, myself. It's really again a, a pleasure, and I'm thankful uh, to be with you guys uh, this morning. You know, I recently read a story uh, online about uh, some bad news that I wanted to share with you this morning. Uh, two 90-year-old women, Rose and Barb, had been friends all of their lives. When it was clear that Rose was dying, Barb visited her every day. One day, Barb said, Rose, you know, we both loved playing softball all our lives, and we played all through high school. Uh, please do me one favor. When, when you get to heaven, somehow you've got to let me know if there's some softball up there. Rose looked up at Barb from her deathbed and said, Barb, you've been my best friend for many years. If it's at all possible, I'll do this for you. Shortly after that, uh, Rose passed on. At midnight, a few nights later, Barb was awakened uh, from, a, uh, from a sound sleep by a blinding flash of light uh, and a voice calling out to her, Barb, Barb, who is it? asked Barb, sitting up suddenly. Who is it? Barb, it's me, Rose. You're not Rose. Rose just died. I, I'm telling you, it's me, Rose. I have some really good news and a little bit of bad news. Well, tell me the good news first, said Barb. Well, the good news, Rose said, was there is softball in heaven. Better yet, all of our old buddies who died before us are here too. Better than that, we're all young again. Better still, it's always springtime and it never rains and it never snows. And best of all, we can play softball all we want and we never get tired. Oh, that's fantastic, said Barb. It's beyond my wildest dream, but... What's the bad news? Well, you're pitching next Tuesday. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty funny story about bad news. You know, but I don't know if you ever caught the evening news ever, <laughs> but the world just seems to be chock full of so much bad news, right? If you've ever seen... ABC or Fox or any sort of channel at night at 9 p.m. and you see all the stories run down of the local news. It's, there's a lot of bad news out there. In fact, I looked up a few headlines that I wanted to share with you uh, this morning. Uh, in fact, some of you might have seen this story. Uh, three dead, dozens missing after a cruise ship runs aground off the coast of Italy. Uh, I, I don't know if any of you saw that story. I think that was just yesterday. Uh, where this big cruise ship runs aground, it's tipped over, and dozens of people missing. I, I can't imagine. What a terrible vacation. <laughs> uh, here's another headline. Police believe man in custody is responsible for California homeless killings. These are just the top two uh, that I had read. These are, uh, oh, here, I'll, I'll, specifically, police in Southern California said Saturday uh, they believe a man in their custody is responsible for four recent killings of homeless men in Orange County. Yeah, that's pretty bad news, right? Of course, you might say, well, Reg, that's just, that's international, you know, that's international and national news. Of course, you're going to be bound to see some bad news in such big forums. You know, however, I looked up a few local headlines, and I found this one from uh, Montevideo, Minnesota. It says, community mourns young mother killed in a stabbing. Or, or another, St. Charles man died in a snowmobiling accident, 28. Again, if you want to continue to point out my pessimism, 
you know, I'll leave the news out directly. Because, you know, of course the news, they're going to gather that, coin, that kind of stuff. Well, just last night, driving to my folks, we saw two car accidents, right? On 694, we saw four cars pointing all different directions. We saw a big dent in one car. We saw emergency vehicles gathered. We saw a stretcher out. We were shocked. I mean, of course, there was a little bit of traffic, but we were shocked to see and we hoped that everyone was fine. We saw another one just on the way up still from 610. Mind you, this is only a... 15, 20-minute drive to my folks. See another car accident off of 610. Unfortunately, we weren't able, weren't able to count the cars because there were so many emergency vehicles in the way. You know, I, there's a lot of bad news out there, right? Yeah, I'm sure none of us are free of that, that all of us can say that we have a happy-go-lucky existence free of difficulty, free of bad news. Of course... I'm being facetious. You know, all of us have seen our share of bad news. We've seen the difficulty, and, and even still, if you've ever seen any sort of news ever, you've seen a lot of bad news. Of course, that's not new, is it? We've, we've, we've always known that. As Kim mentioned before, I, I'm working as a youth minister at New Brighton Christian Church, and working with youth, I just get such a wonderful uh, vantage point, a, a really cool perspective from my students who sometimes ask me questions that might be a little bit more fresh or new, you know, as opposed to working with adults who, you know, have asked a lot of questions throughout their life. You know, uh, working with students, I get questions asked uh, like this. Um, Why would God create us if he knew that such bad things, such bad things were going to happen? Why did he create us at all? You see, questions like this are prompted. You see, I know you know in recent news, you may have seen stories about a young fellow, Jack Jablonski. You might have heard, I think just a few days later, a same problem with, uh, was it Jenna Privet? right? This, these hockey accidents. And, and a lot of my students, uh, I mean, if you've seen Facebook at all, they change their, uh, their, their profile pictures to, to their badges, to their numbers, to show support for the bad news uh, that has uh, afflicted these guys, uh, uh, Jack and, and Jenna. They ask, Reg, why? How can, it's just so weird. Why God could have not created. He knew uh, that these things were going to happen, and yet, why did he do it? Why did God create the world if he knew such bad things were going to happen to us? You see, hearing all that news, hearing all the bad stuff, that, all the bad headlines, seeing the accidents, seeing the difficulty that is always seemingly lurking, uh, always seemingly around, seeing that bad news, it is easy. It is easy to become pessimistic, is it not? It is very easy to become pessimistic seeing all the bad things there are out there. Enough so to ask this question, why? Wouldn't it have been better had he not created at all? Right? What? Wouldn't it have been better? Imagine all the pain, difficulty, suffering that could have been spared had God not created at all. Wouldn't it have been better? These are honest questions. From, I've heard them from my students. I've heard them from our congrega congregation in New Brighton before in, in fellowship and in talking. We hear those sorts of questions. Wouldn't it have been easier if just nothing had happened? Some ask, was God bored? 
Was he bored? Was he up there with Christ? They're flying around in space and they're just thinking, man, what, what, God, so, we need something to do. What, what should we do? Should we, maybe we should create something, get ourselves something to watch. You know, is, was that the case? Did God need something to do? Did he uh, have earth to cultivate, to take care of, for us to watch? Was that why God created it? Was that why he wanted us here for, for something to watch, something to do? In 2003, uh, many of you have probably seen this film uh, um, called Bruce Almighty, 2003 movie uh, starring Jim Carrey. Uh, and if you remember the movie, Jim Carrey is this uh, guy who just uh, has a bad streak uh, of luck. Uh, and he is convinced that God is out to get him. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie, it's a really funny film. Uh, there's a really great quote from this movie when Jim Carrey is just ranting uh, about God. He says, you know what? God is a mean kid over an anthill with a magnifying glass, and I'm the ant. God is a mean kid over an anthill with a magnifying glass, and I'm the ant. He's saying that God is up there. He's a bored little kid on a summer day. He's sitting over an anthill, and there with a magnifying glass concentrating the sunlight, he's torturing the little, little ants, you know, just for fun because he's got nothing else to do. He's saying God's just up there waiting, just, you know, torquing on us, waiting to see what can, what can he do. Maybe he's just bored. That's how Bruce Almighty sees it. Uh, however, there are others. However, you know, dis- despite this just being a film, it's unfortunate there are others who feel the same who aren't so fictional. Uh, many of you maybe have heard of uh, this fellow, uh, Richard Dawkins. Man, he is, he is definitely an atheist among atheists. Uh, there's this book he writes called The God Delusion, uh, and he describes God as uh, this. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Richard Dawkins does not like God because of the things he's seen and experienced. If you've ever seen him speak, if you've ever read anything he's written, he says, how can a man, if God is who he is, if he is this omnipotent, all-powerful character, if he is all of those things and he is the one in charge of our creation, why did he create then? He could have easily not. God up there could have easily not created. He could have easily spared us all the hospital trips, all of the accidents, all of the famines, the earthquakes, the uh, storms, the hurricanes, all of those different things, all the different pains in our lives could have easily been spared had he not created. If God knew what was in store for us, if he knew what we were going to be watching on the evening news, after we decided to leave the garden... <laughs> After we decided to leave the garden, if he knew it was going to be on the evening news, why did God create it all? How did God look into the future and go, yikes? Oh, well, let's create anyway. (laughs) How could he have done that? Well, this morning, I promise you, there's an answer. 
I feel like I've set up this real negative question, but I promise you there is an answer. And, it, and you'll find it if you turn with me into Acts 17. We're going to start in verse 16 uh, for just a little bit of context, but uh, the meat we're going to be looking at is uh, on verse 24 and on. Now, I found this passage, and I, I absolutely love this little snippet that we find uh, in Acts. I really, really admire this little story that we get to see of Paul. It's not long. You know, it's only 10 or so passages, and, and yet I feel there's a lot that's revealed uh, by this little um, mission that, that Paul is on. Uh, I'll get, here, I'll start at verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, and he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as, uh, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the uh, Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about uh, and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. Now I'll stop there before I continue. We find Paul... In Athens, he's waiting uh, for his friends. Uh, uh, I know he's waiting for Silas here. Um, and, he's, and while he's there, he's visiting the town. He sees the uh, Parthenon, and he sees all the different statues, and he sees that they're very religious. If you're familiar with, with any sort of Greek mythology, you know there's many gods and demigods, and there's a whole very complicated soap opera <laughs> uh, of different gods. And Paul notices that there's this statue even that's marked to an unknown God. You see, they were so religious. They were worried that they may have forgotten one. So they said, just in case, we're going to leave a blank one. No face, no figure, just to an unknown God, just in case we miss one. And Paul here, and, and this is, I, I really, I, I, again, I, I love this passage because here Paul is standing up to these guys, these Stoic philosophers, guys who are just ideas. Can you imagine the difficulty and the intimidation that would be there? And he says, I am going to proclaim to you now. And he delivers this just amazing message, this uh, little testimony about Christ. And uh, this is where, I, if you can, perk your ears up. Uh, verse 24, I'll continue. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. Verse 27 Pay attention, perk your ears even further. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. 
I want to read that one more time. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Paul gives this great, amazing little testimony starting in 24. They're talking about why God, he, talking about creation, uh, talking about who God is, talking about why uh, God put man on this earth. You see, here's that question coming back up. It says, why did God create? Well, it says here, this is, Paul is referencing creation. He is referencing creation, the God who made this world and everything in it. And then here, back into 27, God did this. You know, hopefully I'm not taking too much liberty. You're welcome to read this for yourself. There's a a few verses here, but in the way I'm reading this, God did this, and by this, you take those little quotations or uh, the little parentheses, who made the, making the world and everything in it so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. And I think the reason I love this passage is because I wonder if it isn't as simple as that. Now, Paul, he then tells the Grecians what to do with that testimony. He says, he continues there, uh, therefore, since we are God's offspring, uh, this is 29, we should not uh, think that the divine is a being like gold or silver or stone. He's saying you should not make statues of these gods. Don't think that these statues are the gods. And so, you know, that's what Paul has for the Grecians uh, because he saw all those statues. Of course, we here aren't making those sorts of statues out of gold or silver or stone. So there's a different message for us to lift out of this Acts 17. He shared with us, which is something that I think is very, very interesting. God did this so that we may seek him and find him and reach out for him. You know, I don't know I don't know if I would be able to understand this passage the way that I do uh, had, it not been, have it, had it not been for these last two years that I've had uh, as a father. Uh, we're coming up in March is, is, where, is Carter's uh, second birthday. I, I know some of you may have seen him running around here sometimes. Uh, I, I think my mom's got him a lot of the time. So I don't know if I would be able to understand that passage nearly as clearly would it, had it not been for having my son and understanding the relationship that I have with him, having my heart tugged on by him, by doing nothing, just by him sitting there, I am tugged on, I am compelled, I am drawn and pulled to him. My heart always is going out to him. I can't help it. I could be angry because, you know, he just threw up all over everything and he's being a complete mess, but my heart is always going to be tugged, pulled. I'm always going to be drawn to that little boy. I don't know if I would be able to understand what this means to seek and to find and to reach if it wasn't for him. You see, I have been waiting since he was born. I have been waiting for him to finally reach up and grab me. You know, I've been waiting for him to hold and hug me, to give me a kiss. I'm waiting now for him to be able to reciprocate, to share, to speak. I love you too. I'm waiting for that now. You see, when I see this relationship, why God created, uh, see, because in 28, Paul does write, we are his offspring, all right? He says, uh, can you imagine as a father looking down, I can see why he would have created. 
I can see why God put us through that trouble, through that difficulty. I'm able to understand this passage, uh, this passage because of what Paul wrote here in 28, we are his offspring. If there's one word to describe seeking, finding, and reaching him, I think we have to go under the umbrella of the word love. God created, I believe, straight out of love, and I think that's what this is saying. He did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. The question that I shared with you all was, why did God create despite all the pain ahead of us? You see, he knew what was ahead. Of course, being omniscient, he knew the headlines. He knew the bad news. He knew the famines, the difficulty. He knew, of course, he knew. But he also knew that the love that we would be able to share with him and with each other was going to be worth the hardship, was going to be worth the struggle, was going to be worth the difficulty, it was going to be worth the strife and the pain. The, God knew that love was so much more valuable than being comfortable. God knew that love was so much more valuable than, well, anything. God knew before any songwriter, before any romantic comedy director or author, before every high school relationship Facebook status update, that it is better to love despite loss than to never have known it at all. It's a cheesy wisdom. It is. It is a cheesy wisdom that at some point it's sketched out across some preteen or teen's five-star notebook that it is better to have loved and to have lost than never to have loved at all. We know it. Every other song, every other movie, we know that story. It's written into our hearts. I think that's why so many of us sing about it. Every other radio station you turn into, every other movie or show or book you read, it's about love and love and, you know, it, it, it's what it's always about. And I think it's written in there for a specific reason. I think it's written in there to help us to seek him, to perhaps reach out for him, to find him. I think it's written in there because of this awesome and encouraging passage, though he is not far from each one of us. How wonderful a news is that? He is not far from each one of us. God, creator of the universe, who probably has an infinite amount of things that he could possibly be doing, and yet he is there, not far from each one of us. This isn't some cosmic game of hide and seek. God is not up somewhere in this perfect hiding place. No, he is in front of you, waiting for you to seek him, to find him, and to possibly, to dare, to reach out to him. You see, the way that I feel, that love that I think Paul is sharing with these Athenians, the way that I feel about my wife, you know, when, when she has a bad day and, and, and I'm able to try and cheer her up, but also when I have a bad day and she tries to cheer me up, you know, the way that I feel about my parents when, when I'm sick this week and mom comes down uh, to bring us uh, Gatorade uh, and Raymond too came down to bring us the Gatorade to, 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 to keep us healthy. That is why God created. You know, not the love, romantic, uh, romantic comedy, infatuation, butterfly feelings. Absolutely not. Not that 
love, but the love, the godly love that God, that God demonstrates for us through his son, this, one of, this love of sacrifice, of, of giving up, of, of loving despite condition. You know, yeah, the roads were snowy. Yeah, it's out of the way, but they still came down because they love, because love is that service, that caretaking, that, you know, not the, like I said, the butterflies, the romance. That's, that's not the love, but I'm talking about what God created, what God felt the need to share despite the difficulty, despite all the hardship and headlines and bad news. God said, us leaning on one another, uh, you guys finding me, that is worth all of, the head, all of those headlines. I, I, I'm sorry that it screwed up when you guys left the garden, but love is still worthy. I'm still hopeful that you're able to see some of that. Here in 1 John, if you turn with me, in 1 John 4, uh, verses 7 through 12, it says there, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever, doesn't, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. When God was before time contemplating our creation, I imagine in my head a dialogue such as this. Man, son, we are so good. <laughs> this thing that we have where you lift me up and I, and I raise you up, this is really good. You know what we should do? We should share this. Other, something, even though there's nothing else but us, something else needs to experience us. Something else needs to know what we are, because in 1 John, God is love. And he says, you know what? We should create. I mean, I know down there there's going to be a lot of stuff. They're going to screw it up. You know, once they leave that garden, they have to toil and, 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 and all the bad things that happen. I know that's going to happen, but you know what? They still need to have some of us. They still need to experience our love in some way. We should create. We should share. We should go ahead and, and create and, and have this people who get to experience us, to experience love, to experience atoning sacrifice, uh, to experience us loving them first, unconditionally giving it to them before they have to give it back to us. I think we need to share that. And so he did. And so here we are. We may ask the question, well, why did he create? I, look at all this bad stuff there is. Well, the, the, the rebuttal is this. Look how much good stuff. Look how much good stuff there is. Now, what do we do with that? What do we do with, I find this passage interesting. Hopefully, you find this passage interesting. But what do we do with it? How do we leave this place changed, different, Challenge. How do we apply this passage? Well, first, if you agree with me that God created us so that we might seek him, 
that we might find him and perhaps reach out for him. If you agree with that, that passage here in Acts 17, well, then I'll give you the quick rundown. It's nothing new. I can say it quickly because you probably already either know it uh, by memory, you know, because it's something you want to do, just like that uh, list of resolutions every New Year's. Well, I know I got to save more. I got to spend more time with family. Uh, You know, all those things that you know you ought to do. Well, here they are. Something you need to participate in is discipleship. And what I mean by that, uh, getting to Wednesday night. I'm speaking to every one of you, by the way, because all of us can do this better, always do this better getting to Wednesday night. Uh, Here, Wednesday night, right? Getting to Wednesday night. Participating in that Bible study. Paying attention. Taking those notes. Learning about your God more. Seeking Him. Finding Him. Reaching out for Him. That's your Wednesday night. And if Wednesday doesn't work, okay, some sort of small group. Finding that person that you can uh, hang on to or, or that group of people that you can get along with. Find discipleship in that way. Finding some sort of Bible reading fellowship in a small group setting. You don't have one here? Okay, seek it out. Go ahead and find it. All right? Uh, an, accountability, an accountability partner. Finding someone who you can feel close enough to to share the things that are keeping you from finding God, from keeping you from reaching out to him. All right? Um, Meeting with others, uh, perhaps, who have known God a little bit longer than you have. Coming and visiting Jim. Coming and visiting your elders if you have issues. You see here, if it says our God created us, the very reason that we were created was to seek him, to find him, and reach out for him. If there are things that are in the way of that, you've got to find someone to help you to get rid of those things. Because you have to seek him, to find him, and hopefully you reach out for him. Again, I I said it earlier, I am so encouraged by what Paul wrote. Though he is not far from each one of us, like I said, God, who has an infinite amount of things to pay his uh, amazing attention to, and he is not hiding from us, he is here willing to send his Holy Spirit to throw you a hand, to pull you in. If you don't know anyone, he will, if you pray and ask it, God will bring someone. That's how faithful God is. He is not far from each one of us. That means he is close. That means he is waiting in the wings. I feel like a, he's a, he might be a kid on the sideline. Put me in, coach. Put me in. I, 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 I'm, I'm ready to go out there so long as you let him in, right? If you agree that God created us to seek, to find, and to reach him, then I encourage you to find some sort of discipleship, some sort of Wednesday night, some sort of small group, some sort of prayer group, something to help, that, to help foster that discipleship, to foster you getting closer to God. And then there's one more, I think. Second, I think that we can learn a lot from Paul's example. You see, Paul, amazing story, he knows the tr- this small truth about God, about why he created. So, hmm, in Acts 17, where do we find Paul? Where do we find him? He's in Athens. He had just left Thessalonica. And in the next passage, he's somewhere else. In the next chapter, he's somewhere else. The passage before that, he's somewhere else. In another passage, he's gone. He's overseas. He's somewhere waiting, praying, meeting with people, starting new churches. Paul is on a mission to make sure that other people know this truth. If you believe with me that we are to seek to find and to reach out, not only do we need to take care of ourselves, making sure that we find God, 
But like Paul, we reach out to the people around us to make sure that they too know why God created. It is the very base question in all of time. If you've taken philosophy 101, it has always been, why are we here? Why are we here? Well, Paul knows the answer. Can you imagine Paul going into this very group of people here at the Oropagus? These are, these are the guys in the robes with the long white beards who sit around talking all day about why they think God created, you know, holding the little Caesar guy, you know, just walking around like that. That is who Paul went up and talked to, not intimidated, not intimidated by these guys. He goes in and gives the answer to them. He goes in Despite, can you imagine you or me going into an Ivy League college staff room? <laughs> going in, walking right up into Harvard, walking right up into their staff room. Hey guys, I just want to let you know, you're all wrong, by the way. And in fact, here's God. Here's really what happened. There you go. And then he walks away. You know, can you imagine? That, that's amazing. That's what has come out of Paul because he knows this truth. He knows the fundamental truth was for us to reconnect, to seek him, to find him, to reach out for him. And so it's the same truth for you and for you and for you. And by golly, Paul's going to make sure that you know it. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, when I'm, when I'm saying this application, this challenge, what are you going to do? I'm not talking about your postmodern uh, little circle of friends, uh, people that you know that you come into contact to daily. I, I mean, I mean that as well when you at the same gas station every day or, or uh, the same circle of co-workers. I mean, yeah, those are the people that you need to make sure they know that truth too. But I'm also talking about the people around you, the person who gets their mail for across the street from you, the neighbors uh, that are around you, the people that you have been either shy about or, or, or worried about having to share with. Do you know your neighbor's faith story? And not neighbor as in the people you run into. Neighbor next to you, next door, neighbor. Do you know their faith story? Do you know whether or not they know that they should be seeking, finding, and reaching out for this God who is not far from them? Do they know that? Do you know they know that? Now, this twofold application, it's not difficult to remember. In fact, it's very base. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Seek him out, and also make sure that others around you are seeking him out as well. I know that's a lot to do, and that's very difficult, but it's not something that we can ignore, you know, being privy to the truth where we sort of can't go back to being ignorant, you know. Uh, and so I, I just want to instill this passage into you because I just found it so awesome. Seek him, find him, reach out to him, though he is not far from each one of us. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pray. And, and, and I ask that you, when you go home, and, and that, that this prayer uh, would stick in your minds that as you go home and through your week and, and, and before you go to bed tonight that the same kind of prayer would linger in your minds uh, so that this word, this message that Paul has for us would, would be impactful, would be something that helps you change or share with others. Here, uh, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me.
God, we thank you for who you are and we thank you, Lord, for your creation. Uh, We thank you, God, for being so good as to share with us your love, to share with us what how amazing it was uh, you and your son in that fellowship and, and God that you're adopting us into that relationship. Um, God, I pray, uh, one, that you would bless us all with the presence of your spirit to help us to seek you out, to help us find you even more so. That God, that we would be able to reach out always and continuously uh, throughout our lives. Uh, God, I pray that you would put the right people in our place the right people in our place, the right conversations, the right moments uh, that would get us to that place where we get to reach out more. Uh, God, also, I pray that your spirit would convict us, would fill us with boldness, with bravery as we go out there to share with others why they were created, why we live here. Uh, God, I pray that you would put the right words in our mouths, the right conviction uh, to speak to our neighbors, to speak uh, to our friends, our coworkers, the people around us. I pray, uh, Lord, that you would fill us up uh, and that you would push us away, uh, push ourselves and, and, and our um, uh, meekness out of the way, uh, God, so that we would be able to help others find you. Um, pray, uh, Lord, I thank you again for your son uh, who makes this possible, who, who, came down, uh, who came down to make our reconciliation, make the ability for us to find you possible. We thank you for his sacrifice, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.